0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 15, The David Schuler Sniper's Edge Hockey Story, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before I get this operation started, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to onlinehockeytraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. Today is a day to celebrate for me and the Hockey Journey podcast because we got our first official sponsor, and that happens to be Sniper's Edge Hockey. So I thought, let's have their leader, their team captain on the show, and learn more about this innovative company. David Schuler is the owner and CEO of Sniper's Edge Hockey, based in Minneapolis. Sniper's Edge is the market leader in hockey training equipment and accessories, including slick tiles, shooting tarps, synthetic ice, passing and stick handling aids, and more. Products are sold through their website at snipersedgehockey.com, Amazon, and both nationally and independent retailers throughout the U.S. and Canada. Prior to joining Sniper's Edge, David spent nearly two decades as an investor and advisor to small companies in consumer products, manufacturing, and other industries. David earned a BA at the University of Minnesota and an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. David lives in the western suburbs of Minneapolis here in beautiful Minnesota where he is a might hockey coach, backyard rink owner and manager, and second line forward for his Sunday night men's league team. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming David Schuler to the show. Hi David and welcome to the Hockey Journey podcast. Good morning, Lance. Good to be with you. Well, I'm pretty excited about uh, having you on here because, uh, I don't know, you guys are my number one sponsor, my first sponsor for for this podcast. So I I appreciate you uh, believing in what we're doing here. And I thought, what a great idea, but to have uh, someone that's uh, in this hockey business uh, that maybe we don't really know a whole heck of a lot about it, uh, the back end and uh, learn a little bit more about Sniper's Edge and you. So uh, you talked about uh, there's a connection here that many people don't know, but uh, why don't you follow up on that real quick?
1: Yeah, thank you, Lance. And, and uh, Sniper's Edge hockey wouldn't be here if it, if it wasn't for you um, as, as the founder and the early innovator of these home hockey training products. and. Um, I'm grateful to be involved with the business and now being the steward of these great products and the brands. And um, as I uh, came into this uh, this job just over or just around a year ago and getting acquainted with the products was grateful to, to v- develop this friendship with you. Um, and uh, in many ways, um, our, our fates are intertwined and we're serving the same uh, type of uh, customers that are passionate about hockey and looking for ways to to get better at their craft. so. We have the products, and you provide a lot of the training and a lot of the knowledge and know-how. So I'm um, grateful to be uh, partnered with you in many ways here, Lance, and, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to be able to share our story.
0: Awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, the company was passed on to someone who's super passionate, uh, is a coach in the game right now, uh, uh, so... I'm just happy that it's in your hands, and uh, it's been really fun just seeing the direction you're taking it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know a heck of a lot about you, David, so let's go back before we dive into Sniper's Edge. Let's go back to your childhood. I mean, did you grow up playing hockey? What's your hockey background?
1: Yeah, so I I really uh, fell in love with the game um, actually after I graduated from business school. So I was about 30 years old or so. Um, as a kid, I grew up in Minnesota. I went to Wysada High School. Um, my parents weren't from Minnesota, and so when they had moved here when I was a kid, they didn't have it quite in their blood. And, they, and, you know, during the 80s, the NHL players didn't wear helmets. They had banged-up faces. And my parents, being from Idaho and Utah, thought that that's what youth hockey was as well. So I played every other sport. Um uh, and played uh, tennis and baseball through high school. Uh, we had a pond in our backyard, and so um, I developed an early love for the game, just being out there with my friends and um, even without playing organized hockey as a kid, was developing edge work, knew how to skate backwards and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and as I became adult, I just thought, well, maybe it's just not going to happen for me. Uh, and then I started to compare notes and get to know plenty of other people that were um, in their 20s, maybe even older, they were still playing. And I, I learned that there was uh, leagues for people like me that maybe needed some instructions to get some of the basics down. And uh, so I signed up for one of those clinics, and it was like a, a three-month-long every Wednesday night. Um, and it was awesome. And I got... I got. Um, paired up with uh, some great teammates, and formed into a team, which then went into a league. And as the individual players and as the teams got better, we continued to graduate up into higher levels of the league. And so I, I really kind of fell in love with the game at at, at that point. And um, so that's been over 10 years now that I've been playing. And um, fortunately, I've been injury-free over that period of time. I had a knee issue a couple years ago that sidelined me for a few months, but um, I'm still able to play in, 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 uh, year-round, actually, in a men's league roughly once a week. Um, and then I have two kids, um, a daughter and a son. My son plays hockey. He's still in Mites. And so I've now gone through this journey as a, as a parent and a coach, Um, And and a lot of my friends are all um, hockey enthusiasts as well, people that had played at a high level, others that maybe had played up through high school or junior gold or kind of had reached various different levels of hockey. And so it's it's very much in our blood and uh, very much a part of my life. And so... Um, when I had the opportunity to um, to get introduced to Sniper's edge hockey and leverage my business experience and bring it into what had become now a new passion of mine, which was the hockey world, um, I just said, "This is this is serendipity. This is this like there would never been an opportunity of all my my years of investing where I thought like all signs are pointing to you got to do this." Um, so. That was, uh, that was kind of what brought me here. I still have plenty of room to go. I still, uh, I can skate pretty good, but gosh, my hands are terrible. So admittedly, I needed to spend a lot more time in my own basement, kind of working on the sweet hands and the figure eights and, you know, Lance be one of your students, um, kind of working on a uh, you know stick handling through traffic and tow drags and, and yeah, those kind of yeah. things. So. In
0: due time, David. In due time. <laughs> uh, I, I you know what's because I had a 17 year coaching career and I spent I think eight of those years at the mite levels. Uh, you know, for I had a lot of coaches that were similar to you that didn't have much of a hockey background, uh, and they were learning just like the mites were. Um, so that that's got to be a fun process that you and your son can share together, both you know on practices and then at home on your backyard rink or in your garage.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great. All aspects of being a youth coach are 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 great. Yeah, I've I've coached some of his other sports as well. He, he plays um, he plays baseball, so I've coached that and soccer. I've kind of helped out here or there. Every aspect of it, from um, from driving with your kid to and from to um, helping them understand. You know, if they're not good at something, how to work with them on the side and teaching them the perseverance and hard work and setting a goal, helping them understand the role of teamwork and, you know, not getting down on your goalie if your goalie lets up six goals and trying to help to put them in perspective that hey, he's doing his best and you focus on you and you focus on doing your best because lots of things you still need to work on and um, getting to know the other kids, getting to know the other. Uh, family as your son or, or daughter would be around. all of it is very much a special experience and so I'm glad to still be out there. Uh, there'll be a point where I'll, I'll probably cap out and'll be we won't need as many coaches on the ice and there'll be other coaches with a better, um playing and coaching pedigree as me but at mites it's still you know if you if if you can be out there and if you can show up at practice and have the right demeanor with the kids you're welcome and and so that's i'm I'm still able to participate for a couple more years as a coach
0: yeah good i think my kids and their teammates passed me by when they were around 10 so you got a couple more years (laughs) uh that's awesome so uh when you acquired Sniper's Edge uh, just about a year ago, you you spent nearly two decades as an investor and an advisor to small companies. Give our listeners an example or two on, on how you helped these companies grow and then maybe what you learned in those experiences, how you're applying it to Sniper's Edge now.
1: Sure. So my, my line of work until about a year ago when I got involved with Snipers was um, I, I started my career in something called investment banking, um, which meant my, the firms that I worked for would be hired by an entrepreneur that wanted to sell their company. And uh, it was all privately held companies. Sometimes it would be a business that you would have heard of, but a lot of times it's uh, a widget manufacturer in small town Minnesota that makes a, a, a plastic part that goes into something else and um the reality is this the the country is comprised the business world is comprised of tens of thousands of these small businesses where um it's a it's a successful entrepreneur that took a risk that built a business that figured out um an invention or market inefficiency and uh begged borrowed um from the bank or from family members to get their business off the ground and so my, my role had been first as an advisor to try to help them sell their business and try to find the right investment partner. And then for the last 15 years prior to Snipers was as an investor um, investing on behalf of big pension funds, university endowments, institutional investors. Um, to try to find these small companies to invest in. And so um, I, I, I loved that profession. I had a chance to get to know lots of small companies, some that were in consumer products, um, some that were in healthcare services. We were involved in a, with a mosquito spraying business. Um, I was involved with a business that made signs for Walgreens. Um, so lots of different, very specific, niche type companies. And I um, uh, really had a great ride there that firm continues to do well and is successful and I'm still friends with the partners, I just had an itch to go do something different and do something entrepreneurial and spend more time instead of spending a little bit of time with multiple companies uh, really kind of going all in with one particular company. So I left in the middle of 2020 and started this journey of trying to find a small company to invest in. Didn't necessarily know that I wanted to end up jumping in as the CEO of the business, but, um, but I kind of left myself open to that possibility and um, was networking and um, around town with advisors and and lawyers and those kind of folks that might have that might be knowledgeable of what small businesses are out there that could be looking for investment partners and um, at that time the former owners of this business um, had seen some good results over the last couple of years they were looking to um, sell their position so they could focus on some of their other holdings and so I crossed paths with them um, I this was right uh, Christmas time of 2020, where I was shopping for my own kid, and so I had been on the website. Uh, we had even bought one of the shooting pads at a store. Uh, I think it was a Shields uh, location for my kid, um, and so it was very. Again, I used the word earlier serendipity. It felt like this was a great chance for me to leverage a lot of the a lot of my business knowledge and acumen, a small company that had brand uh, recognition that had been around a long time, but still felt like it had a lot of room to run and um, my my experience um, in private equity really um, was about trying to leverage subject matter experts to try to help a company that already is on the path to success and really help them supercharge their growth and um, several of those companies were in the e-commerce space and so what really excited me or was kind of drew me to the company made me excited about it was that they had a presence on Amazon they had a they had a web presence And uh, they were doing a lot of great things, but yet there was people within my network that I would be able to bring in as advisors, consultants, et cetera, that would be able to take a look at it and really help us understand what we're doing right on Amazon. But here's how you get explosive growth there. Um, The same thing if you're selling through Google. Um, And here's the role of something called paid search, which is the ads, the top two or three. Um, and then here's what you do to create what's called organic search, which is, if you scroll down on the page, um, those same kind of rules apply to market on Facebook and having a social media presence. And um, so that, that, was, um, that was really great in that be able to take a company that was already successful and on a really nice path, but try to think about what additional levers could we pull to really help the business uh, propel even farther forward over the next five or, or, or ten years Um, and uh, even after my ownership period, make sure that it's set up for success. So whoever becomes the owner of the business after me uh, many years down the road is is also set up for success to take it from there. So I'd say my background is is really kind of a general business background in that um, I'm not the expert, but I'm a phone call away from a lot of people, subject matter experts that can help me kind of figure this stuff out um, and, and really kind of plug them in.
0: It's interesting that you say that because there's a movie I watched uh, several years ago called Something Ventured, and it was mm-hmm. about the birth of, uh, you know, investing in companies, uh, angel investing, uh, a guy named Arthur Rock. You ever hear of him? I have, um, it But a really good show, and, you know, what he said was that if we're going to invest in someone... We asked ourselves one question, is my Rolodex deep enough to really help these people? So that sure. just goes into what you're saying, how the connectivity is so important.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, if this was if this was a different industry, if this was uh, – there's, there's lots of businesses that are let, – let's say a company that makes little steel products. Um, lots of those businesses that are doing great, that have impressive margins, a good market position. I don't have a ton of intuition personally for um, how to help a company like that be more successful. Um, But the fact that this is a consumer products company in an industry that I I know and love, and I'm in the target demo as a consumer, as a player myself, as a coach, as a parent, plus it's in Minnesota, Um, plus it has an e-commerce business model um, it just felt like it. It, 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 it felt like um, I would have great intuition for what the business would need to do to be more successful. But also, when I know that I'm, I'm personally going to get to my limit of where I can, where it gets past my area of expertise, uh, to do what what that person said as well. To have a, someone that's a phone call away that can supplement what my strengths are. Um, so we're still on year one of this journey, and. Um, having a great time so far and um, still trying to, uh, we've had some initial wins, but also still kind of positioning our company for kind of a long-term growth uh, trajectory.
0: So, you know, it's, these have been some challenging times for some businesses, you know, how has COVID affected your business over the last year?
1: Yeah, in 2020, um, even though that was prior to my ownership, they not surprisingly, when the rinks were closed and practices and games and and organized hockey was put on hold, um, the the company during that period of time saw like, you know, un, unprecedented amount of growth in orders and and surge in volume. So very positively affected sales during that period of time. Um, last year was a little bit of a, a, more of a reversion to normal times, but. Um, but you still have a little bit of uncertainty about whether organized hockey is going to go, is it not. Um, I think that there's a long-term secular trend towards people wanting to outfit their homes with uh, with home hockey training uh, equipment and accessories. And um, I related to, like, every kid um, when I was growing up had a basketball hoop, whether or not they were on the basketball team. No. Um uh, our, our industry is no different and that uh, hockey is fun and it's it's fun to have tie, like a slick surface at home. It's fun to play roller hockey. It's fun to play backyard hockey. And um, a lot of the parents appreciate that if the kids can do that without shooting a puck that's going to bang up a wall or break a window or scuff up a, you know, a nice polished concrete floor, you know, our, our, our company and our products can help them do that. So I think that the Uh, there was a secular trend underway already. COVID definitely helped that trend. We have a lot of customers that um, maybe had outfitted a training area and then want to come back and make an additional purchase, or they bought, um, you know, they maybe have 100 square feet of tiles, and now they want to expand it and have an even greater area. They want to add a blue line. They want to add a goalie crease. Um, So we definitely see that happening. Um, We were... A lot you've, you read a lot about in the press about how there being supply chain challenges and inflation. And unfortunately, yes, that's real. That's happened to us, no different than a lot of other businesses. Um, fortunately for us, um, like 95 or 90-ish percent of our revenue comes from products that are made in the USA, uh, which we're very proud of. We hope to grow that even further. So we did not have really many horror stories of stuff coming out of a container ship from Asia that was stuck at a port or we couldn't get it. We had a, a few of those, but not meaningful. Um, so, most of this stuff was made here. We had access to the product. um We were able to sell it at, at um at the holiday season and Black Friday and get it into the warehouses. so we were um every business was disrupted a little bit through the supply chain last year. condition to manage um our business was no different than we had to make sure that we kept our eye on 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 uh on on the right aspects of the business there to make sure that we had the right inventory levels in the right locations um But we were grateful for that. And the other thing is that, um, you know, we're very grateful that our our customers are hockey enthusiasts, and the more high-quality, relevant training tools that we can come up with, we think that we can continue to sell it through our channels. And so a a large amount of our focus, it started last year, it's certainly going to continue this year, is trying to come up with additional products um, that have a sniper's edge, uh, name on it that's our proprietary design and stuff that we can continue to get out to the market and so we can create more reasons for people to come back to our site and engage with us further on social and, and whatnot as opposed to just you know they just bought one product they just bought this and now they're good we want to create more opportunities for us to uh, elongate that customer interaction and create more reasons for them to come back and And ultimately the products have to do two things um, I mean they all have to be at a good price point we need to make sure that they're aware of our brand Um, but we believe that it it has to be a product that is fun to use. Uh, You know, It can't be work. It has to be something where the kids actually have fun with it. A tarp is really fun to use. It's really fun for an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old to practice and shoot on. Um, And the second thing is it needs to have a training benefit. It it has to be very clear that the type of habits that our products help to teach are the kind of things that a coach like yourself or uh, their community association coach would say, this is worthwhile time, a task for you to work on this or work on that. And then if we have products that help reinforce those positive habits. So we, we use the tag word to play more and get better. And ultimately, all of those ingredients have to be present in order for us to, uh, to be able to be able to sell more products and for consumers to like what we're doing.
0: Yeah, it's so many good points in there. Uh, I'll tell, I can tell you this, my, you know, my kids are... Older, grown, still playing hockey, but uh, that the space that we created for them uh, here at our house and at our cabin was the best babysitter <laughs> for them and their buddies. Uh, and it's it's interesting. I don't know if you know. I did a a, a practice team practice puck possession study a couple years ago. And, uh, so I got a kid from Wyzetta high school that was into video stuff and we just went to different ranks and picked a player that got on the ice right away, filmed him or her, the whole practice, and then, um, uh, came back and cut it up to see how long they actually had the puck in their sticks. So this will be a question. Do you know, do you know about this study or is this new to you?
1: Uh, you could share some more of the details with me. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on it, but it's not much. I, I recall the takeaway being.
0: Yeah i we did we I think we got like close to thirty samples. The highest time we had was just over seven minutes, and we had two that were uh just under two minutes. and we had mites uh all the way up to high school, both boys and girls. Yeah. so it averaged out to be uh just over four minutes. Um, and then there's a game puck possession study that says uh right around one minute is on average what you have the puck in your stick for uh and then i did one other uh informal study and that's with the players that i train here at my house i would just film the whole lesson and to a player they were getting anywhere from 18 to 20 minutes of puck touches yeah. uh, during, during an hour lesson so uh it's an important space but if for so long you know players you know you think you have to go to a rink you got to go to a training facility you got to be face to face with a coach to get better. And when it comes to the stick and your stick handling, your passing and your shooting, uh, you can get so many of those reps, uh, off the ice. And the other thing I'll say is regarding shooting in order to go up the ladder a little bit, the one thing that's required and cannot be avoided is you're going to miss more than you make. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can get a lot of those misses done in that space. So, uh, let's transition to something, uh, talking about your kids and, and your development you have a backyard rink I'm sure you have a room set up someone in the house for the kids can shoot pucks working yeah. their stick handling since taking over the company and uh you know kind of being in that world and creating these spaces how much of a noticeable improvement have you seen in your kid and your own stick skills
1: uh yeah quite a bit actually um you know, so down, so we have a room in our house. It's kind of like an unfinished basement area where it was perfect for putting up a tarp and some synthetic ice. And, um, like you said a moment ago, whenever I'll go down with my kid, he'll go down by himself. And, um, but certainly whenever he has friends over and a lot of his friends are kids he plays hockey with, that's immediately where they go. And they have so much, they're down there for hours and just having a blast.
0: Um,
1: so, um, my kid within the last year, has uh, he 's been lifting the puck a lot more meaningfully he 's getting more comfortable lifting it now in his backhand he 's eight years old and he 's a mite just to give your listeners some reference but yeah. uh, but both of those are skills that you, you know if he can if he can shoot an extra two hundred pucks a week at home just ten pucks at a time here or there that 's where he gets a chance to work on this or that, and he can start to practice a snapshot he can start to practice. You know, he, all the kids are trying to figure out now how to hit slap shots, which they really are not supposed to be doing at mites, anyways, but no one is, you know, no one's got a Shea Weber slap shot yet. They're just, they, they see the pros doing it and they're trying to figure out how to do it. But if he's at practice, you know, at practice, he's doing the stuff that the coaches want him to do and they're practicing breakout drills and, you know, doing outside edge work, going around cones. They're not, you know, just teed up in front of a goal. Uh, practicing backhand shots—that's that's the stuff. To your point from earlier, that that you work on at home. So I've definitely noticed a difference in his in his shots. Um, he also has a tendency to have his his lower hand too far down on the stick, and so trying to work with him to like bring it back up, and, but then get used to, you know, kind of twisting his wrist as he's doing stick handling. Um, that's been good. We we have the synthetic ice at our house. Um, a lot of other families will have the floor tiles. At snipers will sell both of those products the synthetic ice you can wear skates on that's also been fun um as uh at, at his level that they're learning things like um how to do mohawks and backwards crossovers and you know things like that that we've put on skates and have practiced so that's been pretty good um, we are now also uh there's kind of a stick handling challenge in my community um for for kids to practice uh these drills that were inspired by terry cullen if you know him yep, yep. um and uh in his son matt that had done and it's a circuit of seven or eight different stick handling drills that involve going out wide and cupping and then going to the backhand and figure eights and things like that and that's been perfect we've been down there every day kind of going through the stations i've been going through it with him as well um so, and as far as me, I, I have a long ways to go, um, but I'm, I'm trying, still trying to get better. I'm still trying to challenge myself. I'm a lot better than I was a year ago, a lot better than I was five years ago at um, being able to, uh, um, to be able to stick handle and, and some traffic and, and, and practice doing the toe drags and, you know, things like that to try to, to try to be elusive with the puck. Um, but I'd, I'd say that my kid is either, he's a better athlete or he's better at training than I am. Um, so yeah. he's, he's taken to it better than me well i'm uh, We also have it now in our office as well Lance, and so I'm not on this no. particular call, but I spend a lot of calls with uh standing on our on our floor tiles and with a stick in hand you know continuing to to hit pox against a pass master and continue to do cupping and drags and things like that
0: so yeah well that's uh that's pretty cool to hear because you know there's there's a lot of coaches that they coach and it's great but then there's people like you that invest extra time into trying to become a little better. Uh so I know Orno's is where are you Orno?
1: Yeah, we're in Orno.
0: Orno Association, so I know that uh Youth Hockey Association is lucky to have people like you uh working with those kids. So um before we wrap things up, you talked a little bit about uh Product innovations and stuff. Is there any product, new product ideas you have in the pipeline that you can uh, give us a sneak peek uh, about, or is this all hush hush? Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: I can I can kind of give some directional feedback about what we're what we're doing, and you know, right now our products are sold uh, to a consumer to use in a basement or garage. Um, And in some cases, they are sold to a a team or a training center for use in a commercial facility. Um, We're making a a concerted effort to try to have more um, on-ice and training center uh, uh, caliber-type products. And which we're really excited about because our thought was, if it if it can hold up to their quality standards and their expectations of a training benefit, then it'll also then have benefit for our consumer. Um, we're also taking the point of view that our our customers also um, are they're consuming hockey in a number of different ways. They will be at a dryland training center. They'll be on the ice. They will be in their backyard. They'll be in their basement, and they might be on the driveway. And and so we're trying to then also think about products that can either follow them along to all those different places, or dedicated street hockey products, um, and uh, or something more things for the backyard. Um, We don't sell the rink boards, but this last year we introduced uh, the rink liners, which anyone that does a backyard rink. Knows those get punct- you need them in order to fill your rink, but they get punctured just through the course of things through shoveling and whatever else, um, and they need to be replaced each year. And uh, we're coming up with some other products. I think that would be unique for people that uh, that have backyard rinks or ponds. Um, things like netting, uh, working on a resurfacing type uh, device um, that I think will will be very attractive to. Um, uh, to the dads that can relate to this everyone has their own home remedy for how they go and resurface their pond or whatever uh, we're coming up with a system that'll make it easier for someone to um, uh, to be re- to resurface in, in a shorter period of time um, there's uh, we also are thinking towards the future and the fact that the kids have um, you know, all, all kids have phones, and kids are starting to have um, Instagram accounts and TikTok accounts, and, and are very tech savvy. Um, and trying to think about ways to fuse together uh, tech-enabled products that have, that you see in other types of sports, and trying to to work that way into the hockey scene. So those are uh, uh, those are still under under cover, uh, so to speak, and in development. But but we hope in the years ahead to try to find an opportunity for sof- someone to be able to download something from us uh, to be able to engage with us through an app um, and then have products that also are giving them feedback about their performance and tracking and metrics and and something that has a a fun aspect that feels like they're playing a game um, but also something that is collecting stats um, about accuracy and mile per hour of their shot and location and and release time, things like that that will have relevance um, for... um, uh, useful statistics to keep that they can share not only to compete against their friends, but with their coaches um, and to be able to demonstrate that they're putting in the work in the off season or between practices and whatnot. So just a couple of little snapshots is, um, you know, it's, uh, it's what the, we're in a fun problem of um, there's no shortage of ideas. And so we come back to we're still a small company and we have to make sure that we can be realistic about what we can do successfully. And so you take the universe of lots of great ideas and lots of things that we would love to do and then try to uh, try to distill it down to what are kind of the bite sizes uh, that we can focus on this year and then each year continue to build upon that um, to ultimately become the company that we want to be down the road. Um, the other big things that we are exploring very actively this year is that um, you know, we're a Minnesota company, even though we sold to all 50 states last year, and that was great. Um, we have a relationship with Amazon. We are also selling it through Canada. Uh, and Canada is, um, uh, we've had a presence there for years, but we're going to be making a concerted effort to really reach out and, and reach customers and retail relationships in and Amazon and, and in Canada. Um, and as you well know, and as your listeners know as well, Europe is also a very meaningful hockey market. And it's a little bit of a marketing challenge. It's a little bit of a logistics challenge for how to physically get product there and how to reach a customer in, in Sweden that wants to have floor tiles in their house. Uh, but we have a strategy underway to be able to do that, and that's going to be another big effort uh, this year uh, to be able to expand our business in, in that way to reach more geographies outside of just um, outside of just U.S. consumers. So lots of fun stuff, lots of exciting um, challenges
0: um, that, that we're working on. Uh, but we're we're equal to the challenge. Well, you're definitely not sitting around watching Netflix all day eating chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty pretty cool. Uh, everything that you have going on, uh, and just I want to reiterate the importance of those spaces. I, I call I call them skill acquisition hotbeds. If you just go use them, um, and you know, if you learn to use them the right way, so. Thank you for uh, continuing this this hockey journey. Uh, I'm just tickled that uh, things are going so well for you guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the next innovations are going to be for Sniper's Edge Hockey. Um, We went over all the channels where they can find you, snipersedgehockey.com. Go check them out if you're looking to create a space at home, a backyard rank. Uh, in your garage. They got you uh, covered big time. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, David. Continued success. And if there's anything that I can uh, do to help you out on uh, your journey, please don't hesitate to ask.
1: Well, thank you, Lance. And thanks for what you do as well, uh, you know, to help to help players um, on, on their journey, to help them get better. And um, yeah, it, the same to you. Wish you continued success as
0: well. I tell uh, the same thing to people that are coaching now or whatever, that, you know, we're, we're servants to, to others and our, our vehicle is, is hockey, <laughs> you know. That's how we can share experiences and our knowledge and our, our passions uh, to others. So uh, continued success, and uh, we'll do this again sometime maybe and talk about something different. Thank you, Lance. Look forward to it. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey Podcast. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed David's story, and I look forward to seeing what's next from Sniper's Edge Hockey. If you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might enjoy this episode, please share with just one person, as it will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe. I hope to see you back here soon. And do me a favor. Make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.